Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now as Pastor Joe Petting teaches from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3. If you can please turn with me to Luke chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 15 to 23. Luke chapter 3, verse 15. The title of our message this morning is real simple. It's looking to Jesus. As believers, we, we have a tendency, I believe, at least I know uh, in the past, I've done this quite a bit, to take on the burdens of others, to kind of you know, get weighed down with their difficulties, to get weighed down with things that others are going through, and, and it can you know, weigh heavy on us. Sometimes we can even come under the oppression that they're under. But this morning, one of the things we're going to look at and be reminded of is we're not the Christ. We're not the Savior. We're not the ones that save people. We're not the ones that can deliver them. Only Jesus Christ can do that. And we need to be reminded, I believe, in this passage that we're not the Christ. We're the sinner saved by grace. And we need to bring our loved ones. We need to bring our friends. And we need to continually bring them to Jesus. Because Jesus can help them. Jesus can deliver them. Jesus can take their burden. Jesus can, you know, do wonderful things in their lives that we can't do. Or we can point them to Jesus. We can point them to the word. But it's like, you know, you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make the horse drink. And sometimes it can get very frustrating. I know, at least personally for me in ministry, you know, you, you constantly bring people to the water. You bring them to the water of life, but they're not drinking. And then we take it on. So it's a wonderful reminder today as John the Baptist will tell the people, I'm not the Christ. I'm not the one. But he points to the one that is the Christ. So that, with a way of introduction to this wonderful passage, let's take a look at, again, Luke chapter 3, starting with verse 15. In verse 15, it says, Now as the people were in expectation... And all reasoned in their heart about John, whether he was the Christ or not. John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water. But one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal straps I'm not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor. And gather the weed into his barn, but the chaff... He will burn with unquenchable fire and with many other exhortations he preached to the people. Remember, as we looked at last week, John the Baptist was uh, in the area of the Jordan River. He was telling people to repent, telling people to do what's right. They were coming out. They were being baptized. He was baptizing them, but he was telling them the truth that they need to turn away from sin and turn to Jesus, the Messiah that was coming. In other gospel accounts, we're told the people were confessing their sins. They were, they were you know, coming out and saying, I'm a sinner. I've done this wrong and forgive me. And, and there was a great thing taking place in the midst of John the Baptist. His multitudes were coming out. 
The Pharisees and the, 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 the religious leaders were coming out to see what was going on. He was rebuking them, telling them, you're a bunch of snakes. And God was doing a wonderful work as we looked at last week. But look again what it says in verse 15. It says, it talks about the people were in expectation. The word expectation means they were, we were waiting eagerly for the Lord to show up. They were wondering, you know, if John's the one, and they were watching with excitement, where's the Messiah? John the Baptist said, the Messiah's coming, the Messiah's coming. So they're, they're all excited. They're looking for the Messiah. It's a great reminder for us. This is the first coming of Jesus Christ, but it's a great reminder for us as believers. We're to be watching for the Lord's coming. We're to be watching for the rapture of the church, you know, the Lord to take us up to be with him. And, and the Bible makes it very clear. We're to live a life with expectancy, expecting the Lord to come at any time. Did you know that? That, that zeal and that excitement to, to live a life. And you know what it does? It keeps us holy. It keeps us pure because if Jesus can come at any time, would you be doing the things that you do? Are there things in your life that you're doing that, that if Jesus came to take up the church, would that be an embarrassing moment for you? It keeps you holy. It keeps you pure. When you realize at any time we're to live a life with expectancy. And we have to have that heart of expectancy because one day, guys, this is all going to be over here on earth. And one day we're going to step into his full glory. We don't know what we're going to be like, but we know we're going to be like him one day and we're going to see him as he is. And even as that song, I can only imagine, I, I can only imagine what's going to happen when that, are we going to stand in, in awe of him? Are we going to fall to our knees? Are we going to be able to speak? I don't know what's going to happen, but I know it's going to be the most glorious thing that takes place when Jesus Christ comes to take his church and we'll be together with him, never to leave his sight again with our Lord Jesus Christ. That's called the rapture of the church, if you're not aware of that. We're to be excited about it. First John 3, 2, John the apostle says, Beloved, we are children of God, and it has not been revealed what we shall be, but we know when he is revealed that we shall be like him, and we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Paul the Apostle writes in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will, be, will rise first. Or maybe you know, it's possible that they've already risen. They're already with him. And then we who are alive will remain and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. We shall be caught up, snatched up, isn't that exciting? Does that excite you? Something about that excites me. Sunday after service, a group of us were out eating and, and we were talking about the rapture. And I, I was getting so excited. My wife was telling you know, about a dream she had. She had a dream that she was in the rapture. and she would, I think she was standing out here out front of the church or whatever. She, she had a, a vivid dream that, you know, that she got caught up. She was talking about the rapture to, to whoever she was standing there with. And as she was talking, they were being lifted up into heaven. And she said, this is it. And then someone else mentioned something about the rapture. And we was like, you know, I think that should be in our conversation more often. We should be excited about the Lord's return. They were excited at his first coming. They had expectation. They saw the mighty hand of God on John the Baptist. And they said, are you the one? Are you the Christ? Are you the one we're looking for? They're waiting eagerly. 
They're wondering if John was the one, but John says, I'm not the Christ. Don't look to me, but he pointed him to Jesus. Again, we're not the Christ. Has God radically transformed your life? I'm asking you that question to answer yourself in your own heart. Has God radically transformed your life? Is he Christ? We have a transforming God. The people that met with Jesus, he transformed their very lives. He baptized them with the Holy Spirit and he changed them. And I want to know, are we changed people? Are we just people that go to church? Are we just people that read the Bible? No, are we changed people by the power of the Holy Spirit? Did God change your life? And when he changes your life, you're so excited to tell other people about this changed life you have and you bring people to Jesus. Some people say, wow, I want what you have and they accept Christ and they're changed before your eyes. But there's other people say, well, okay, yeah, I think I want what you want, but I want everything else over here. Uh, Maybe I'll pray a prayer with you, but I really don't want to let go of this kind of stuff. And their life's not going to be transformed. And you're not the Christ. You're not able to change them. You're not able to make the changes in their life because only the Christ can do that. And he will do that. He can do that. And he has the power to do that in every person that walks this earth. John says, I'm not the Christ, but there's one much mightier than I. I'm not even worthy to unloose his sandal strap. I'm not even worthy to be the lowest of slaves in front of this man. This is the Messiah. This is the King of Kings. This is the Lord of Lords. Have you met the Messiah? Have you met Jesus Christ? Have you been changed by the power of God's Holy Spirit? God wants to change every person. I remember when my sister was saved and I would watch her life and she was radically changed and her husband was radically changed and and they would approach me about Jesus. And I'd say, well, that's good for you. You know, I was just like, you keep your Jesus, you know, because I wanted to do what I wanted to do. But one day I realized I needed the Christ. I needed the Messiah. I was the one that needed help. Are you there today? Do you know that you need help? Because let me introduce you to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. He's able to deliver. He's able to transform. He's able to help. He's able to do for you that you cannot do for yourself by his Holy Spirit. He wants to live inside of you, but you need to turn from sin. And you need to realize he's the Savior. He is the Christ. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And fire. John says, I can only baptize with water. I'm I'm telling you guys to repent. I can only put you in the water. But there's one coming that's going to work supernaturally. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The the word baptism, this word here means to be immersed or totally submersed in. That's challenging. You have different people that, you know, they talk about, you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They say, well, you know, well, when you receive Christ, you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. There's, you know, just, you're filled with the Spirit. That's this just a one-time thing. I disagree. I believe through the book of Acts, we see men that were filled with the Holy Spirit, but then they called out to the Lord, and then the Lord baptized them again with the Holy Spirit, poured out His Spirit upon them. Are we continually filled with the Holy Spirit? Paul the Apostle told them, in the, in, to the, those in, in Ephesus, to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Be not drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled. That word is continually filled with the Holy Spirit. We're not going to be able to walk a spiritual walk in this world without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We're not going to be able to do it. 
The kids, these youth that are in that other room, they need the power of God's Holy Spirit working in their lives to be transformed. It's not going to be programs. It's not going to be this different thing they, they need to go to. They need the power of the Holy Spirit continually working in their lives, just as we do. Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Do you notice it's Jesus and with fire. I believe the fire is talking about judgment myself. Some say it's the fire of the Holy Spirit. Some say it's the fire of tongues. You have debates going on back and forth. But either way, he wants to baptize us in his Holy Spirit. He wants to continually fill us and give us the power that we need to walk the spiritual walk because we need him day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, don't we? Can I get an amen for that? We do. Let's read on. But Herod, the ruler, being rebuked by him, by John the Baptist, concerning Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done, also added this above all, that he shut John up in prison. John the Baptist was a bold man. And he rebuked Herod. This is Herod Antipas. Because he married his brother Philip's wife, Herodias. That was uh, Herod's niece that he married. And it was wrong. And John the Baptist told him it was wrong. This is wrong. He was telling him the truth. And he, he was shut up in prison. I want to use this to say, sometimes, you know, we'll, we'll go through difficult times. Sometimes we'll go through sufferings for doing what's right. Isn't that terrible when that happens? I, I find myself complaining to God sometimes when that happens. Like, Lord, I'm doing what's right. I'm doing what you called me to do. I'm doing exactly what you told me to do. Why am I going through this? I think of Saeed in, in, in Iran. Pastor Saeed, who is doing the Lord's work in Iran, and they, he's locked up in prison. I believe it's been over a year, around a year, that he's been locked up in prison for doing what? For doing what's right. They, they brought him to a different prison, I heard, and this one's a terrible place that they have him in. They say the prison that he's in now, that people disappear there. They just totally disappear. They can't find him after they go into this prison. And it's a terrible prison that he's in right now. For doing what? For doing what's right. And I just want to say, that, that'll happen sometimes. So don't get discouraged when you're doing what's right and you, you go through difficult times and just it seems like, you know, it's like you're slammed. Sometimes it should be encouraging. Oh, Lord, I must be doing what's right. Look at what's happening in my life. So he's locked up in prison. Verse 21, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. What a powerful moment there. Can you imagine being in that place? Can you imagine you're, you're out there being baptized and then Jesus himself comes walking up and then he, he's, he's being baptized by John the Baptist. He goes in the water. Before he goes in the water, he prays. The heavens open up and the Holy Spirit comes down upon him like a dove. And then you hear a voice from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I mean, check that out. Would that be something to watch? Do you notice something in there though? Do you notice the Trinity? Do you notice the Trinity? The Holy Spirit comes. Jesus Christ is standing there. God the Father is saying, this is my beloved son. You, this is a difficult passage for those that deny the Trinity. 
How can you miss the Trinity here? I don't understand. If, if someone you know, still denies the Trinity and they say that it doesn't exist, after service, please come and see me because we see it so clearly here. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the three in one working right there before our eyes. But did you catch the part that says when he, Jesus, prayed, the heaven was opened? No other account, no other gospel account points this out. But Luke points this out. We didn't even know Jesus prayed at the baptism. But somehow in the midst of it all, Jesus was there during the time of baptism. As he prayed, the heavens opened. Pictures, as he prayed, the heavens opened. As he was praying, the heavens opened. As he, he was there and he, he prayed, he prayed to the Father. As that took place, as he was asking the Father to do something, to, to move, the, the clouds opened up, the heaven was opened up, and the Holy Spirit came upon him. As he prayed, the heavens were moved. When Jesus walked this earth, he communed with his Father to the same way we're, that's available to us, and that way is prayer. The way that, that Jesus, when he walked this earth, the way he communed with the Heavenly Father was the same way we can commune with the Heavenly Father, and it's through prayer. Prayer. We can connect with the Father. We're, we're able to commune. We're able to have direct access to, to heaven, direct access to God. It's, it, that blows my mind sometimes. And when we go before him, it's not like, you know, when, when you call a busy, you know, company and they say, you know, can you please hold? And they, they, they give you this extension, they give you that, you know, that extension. And then finally they hang up on you and you have to call back. Is that aggravating? There's some companies you, you never get a person. You're just like, you know, they transfer you to this recording, to that recording. You press one, press two, press three, press four. You press that one. And it's like, no, it's none of these. Not with God. We have direct access to the throne of God. And that way of access is through prayer. Did you know the enemy of your soul will do whatever he can to take you from praying, take you away from praying? This past Tuesday night, we had extra prayer time. And it was so wonderful. We broke up in groups of three to six people. Wasn't it powerful? Wasn't it wonderful? We took the, the, the chairs in here. We spun them all around. We, you know, we you know, made it where we can you know, make circles and stuff. And we, just, we spend time just seeking the Father through Jesus Christ. And I believe, at least in the groups I, were, I was in, two different groups, the heavens were moved. I was moved. I don't know if anybody else was, but I was moved big time. Prayer changes things, guys. The heaven, the heaven itself is open when Jesus prayed. A while back, most of you know that my wife and I have been looking, you know, to buy a home and we've been, you know, renting for over around four years and we've been looking at different homes and we've been, you know, going through all these different things. We had two different financial people that we were dealing with and it was getting so frustrating. At one point, it was so frustrating with the, with these financial people with the, you know, what they wanted, you know, it's like they, they asked for blood. Your first, they asked for just about everything. Then they call you back and they want more. And you're like, Really? I'm serious. I mean, it was just like, it was getting, you know, to a place I was overwhelmed. And I was like, I'm okay renting. I, I really, truly, I'm okay. I love this. Let's rent for life. Let's just keep this place. And my wife was like, no, I want to hang a picture when I want to hang a picture. If I want to paint a wall, I want to paint a wall. I'm saying, you know, can you paint a box or something? Do something. <laughs> 
And I felt like it was between a rock and a hard place. I was like, what do I do? And I, I was praying. I was crying out to God. I was like, what do I do? What do you, you, know, what do you want me to do? I want to rent. That's fine. It was bizarre. I, I, you know, I don't put much weight in dreams, but I have to tell you something. That night, I, in the middle of my dream time, I had this vivid, vivid dream. And in my dream, all I saw, check this out. All I saw was just in, you know, vividly, five. And then another five. And then another five. And it was just weird. It was just like, what in the world does that mean? You know, so I woke up in the morning. It was, I believe it was our day off of Wednesday, you know, and, I, and first thing in the morning, I tell my, my wife I had this strange dream. I don't even know what it is. You know, five, five, and another five. And then we're just brainstorming the five, you know, number of grace. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. God, give us grace. We need five. We need three times the grace as before, you know. I don't know what it means. They were thinking, well, maybe, you know, the price of a home, you know, five, you know, maybe that's the number we're going to, we didn't know, we just, we were kind of just wondering, we don't know. That morning, I just got done telling her, we're driving down the road, I get a phone call, a, a number comes up on my, my cell phone, never seen the number before, don't know who it is, don't know, and I'm looking at it, in the last four numbers, there's three fives, a five, five, five. I thought, this is weird. I showed her my, my phone. I said, honey, this is just weird. I just got done telling you five, five, five. And look, there's five, five, five. And she says, well, why don't you pick it up? And I said, okay. So. And it was one of these financial guys. I didn't have that number. He called me on a different number before. It's the first time he called on that number. And for me, I just had a peace, you know. I, again, I don't put much weight in dreams. But, but for me, I just had such a wonderful peace that it was okay to go with this guy. It's okay to, to, you know, pick him and it's okay. It's like God was saying, I'm with this. And I'm like, Lord, are you sure it wasn't the, the moldy bread I had last night? <laughs> and we went with this man and he did a great job. Not only did he do a great job, I got to talk to him about the things of the Lord. Not only did I get to talk to him about the things of the Lord, I got to pray for him. I got to spend much, much time with this man, and it was a wonderful time that I truly enjoyed. And we just recently closed on a home, and God used him to help us. And it was a short sale, which was great, too. Was, I, I, I mentioned this on a Tuesday night. I, don't think, you know, I didn't mention it on a Sunday, but, but I thought when I gave the offer, because it was a short sale, they already made it real low. I went in, we went in so much lower, and I thought, you know, I was just throwing it out there, and I'm thinking, she is going to laugh at me so hard. I, I gave her the amount, and I, I thought she was just going to laugh, and they accepted the offer. And our thing before the Lord was, okay, Lord, if they counteroffer us even a dollar, we're going to step out. And they didn't counter. Matter of fact, we were second in place. I just, you know, just to show you the hand of the Lord. We were second in place. The people that were first in place, they offered 50000 more than we offered for our home. And they, the, the bank counter-offered them. But they didn't counter-offer us. They had to go. And then the Lord put us there to buy this home. And I can go on and on and on about what the Lord did and how I saw his hand over and over and over again. But it was through prayer. It's through seeking his face. The heaven opened. God showed himself strong. In our story, the heaven opened. 
a voice came from heaven. Jesus went down into the water to identify with us. He didn't need to be baptized to give us an example of what he wants us to do to be baptized. The Holy Spirit descended upon him and that voice came from heaven and said, this is my beloved son whom I am well pleased. If Jesus had to pray, believe me, we need to pray and watch things move. As we come to your throne of mercy, it's the sound of our hearts in grace. It's the sound of our hearts in grace. You have been listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettit and Outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our service times are Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory. As we come to Your throne of mercy, it's the sound of our hearts in grace. It's the sound of our hearts.